Hi, everyone, and welcome to Procure Pulse, the third-party services podcast that provides you with current trends, best practices, and the latest supply chain news to help you stay informed. I am your host, Mickey Meehan. I invite you to email us with questions or topics that you wish to hear covered at info at conductive.com or connect with us on LinkedIn by following Conductive or on Twitter at Conductive Inc. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let's get started. Thanks everyone for joining us for today's podcast. My name is Anna Ormiston. I'm the VP of GPO and Operations here at Conductive. We have a special guest with us today, Kurt Hayes with Dignity Health Global Education. Kurt, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Anna. So my name is Kurt Hayes, the Chief Product Officer here at Dignity Health Global Education, or DHGE as we refer to it. And my background has been in instructional design and educational technology for the adult learner. And I've spent nearly 20 years innovating in that space and have been very lucky to be applying that within healthcare over the past five years. Great to be with you. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about DHGE and what sets you apart from other learning and education solution options in healthcare. Sure. So we started on this journey nearly five years ago uh, with a mission to transform healthcare workforce development. You know, the, the question was out there, you know, could we build a better supply chain for workforce learning and education? And so that's what we've been after. And uh, we are now proud to have a portfolio of solutions for our clients across the United States to be able to help them fill in-demand positions, retain talent as that talent transitions into practice, upskill staff across all sorts of roles, um, and also build leadership capabilities for the future. And, you know, all of this, that work that we do is really the, the crux of the problem that we're trying to solve is that, you know, the demand for healthcare exceeds the supply. And so there's workforce shortages and the need to upskill across clinical and non-clinical talent. You know, we hear about nurses and CNAs and medical assistants, and then also the, the roles that are not so talked about the needs for is, you know, leaders and admins and all the folks that make things happen across the system at the, you know, administrative level. Um, but ultimately, the, you know, look at all those roles. You know, we, we, we see that people are the lifeblood of healthcare and education is necessary to develop the people. And I don't know that there's an industry out there there's, where there's a more you know, symbiotic relationship between education, people, and outcomes. And you know, so when we look at that, and we look at that, that problem, and we look at the needs, you know, there's an opportunity to innovate in how educational solutions are you know, designed, how they're delivered, and also how they're measured. And that's where DHGE comes into play. Uh, so, you know, the areas where, uh, you know, we've innovated in this approach and what I like to say, built a better supply chain in this area, it enables our partners um, to be able to scale solutions so they can reach any hospital in their network, any employee, anywhere, and not have to worry about, you know, regional locations and things like that. Our, our, our programs and our, our, our products are scalable. But the other important piece of our offerings is, is trust. You know, we start by sourcing the needs from healthcare because we came from healthcare. And so by sourcing the needs from healthcare, we're able to include healthcare experts throughout the process of designing a solution for those needs that we've identified. But then we also are, have 10 not-for-profit academic partners, you know, universities and colleges from Duke to Pepperdine. So I always like to say coast to coast um, that are willing to come to the table in partnership and in collaboration with our healthcare experts to uniquely solve those needs 
but solve them in that scalable way that I mentioned. And then also we're we're insanely focused on measurement, right? So how can we strategically measure the effectiveness of each pro uh, product that we bring out to the market and then put the results of those measurements into the hands of our clients? And so today you'll hear me talk about our impact dashboard, impact reporting, things like that, because that word impact means a lot to us and that's our measurement. And so, you know, where we've innovated, it enables our partners to scale trusted solutions and then measure the outcomes of those uh, solutions for their workforce learning initiatives. Uh, and so, you know, really, you know, we we partner with healthcare systems to build talent pipelines, upskill empl uh, employees, you know, from from all different kinds of roles, and then retain staff uh, throughout their transitions into practice. Uh, so we have four different product categories that that I always talk about. Uh, we have training programs, we have certificate programs, degree programs, and then also residency programs um, that we can implement. Um, so I, I, I like to use the analogy of, of Lego bricks. You know, the, our portfolio provides a set of Legos that that system can leverage uh, to assemble in any way that makes sense for their organization and really tailor the solutions to their needs really quickly and effectively, but ultimately scale that solution in a, in a trusted and measurable way. So that's uh, Dignity Health Global Education, and, and that's a bit about what we do. Wonderful. That, that was a great overview. And one of the things you touched on in there that I would love if you could expand upon a little bit more is why do these healthcare systems need to consider investing in these continued education options for their workforce? So, you know, I what I love about healthcare is that education is necessary, right? There's a clear line that you can draw between education and outcomes in healthcare. And it's required across all roles in healthcare, you know, from your entry level education all the way through, you know, advancing as you go throughout your career. And so we can all recognize how necessary uh, education is to healthcare. But to me, the, the question is really is how can a system get the most out of their investments in education? And so when I look at um, where systems do invest in education, there are several categories um, that we often find ourselves um, playing in. And one of them is, is a large category, and it's tuition benefit programs. Um, you know, so, you know, many systems offer tuition uh, uh, reimbursement. And, you know, the, but the selection of programs or the way that program is administered um, not, doesn't always lead people to the best programs for the organization. And so we can help systems get or, you know, ensure that that employees are accessing extremely high quality programs that are as relevant as possible for that organization. And an example there, uh, we have a we have a, uh, an MBA for healthcare with Northern Arizona University, and that program is AACSB accredited, which means, you know, only 5% of the business programs nationally hold this accreditation. Uh, so it's a very well regarded program fully online, but the entire program was designed in collaboration with healthcare experts and the faculty. So as the students go through this program, they're hearing not only from the faculty members, but from these experts from across different aspects of healthcare as they're going through the curriculum. Those healthcare experts are joining their, their live classes, uh, you know, going through Q and A's. And so it's, it's insanely relevant. And we're able to bring that to the market at under $20,000. And so when going back to that tuition benefit um, uh, you know, program that most systems have, 
it often fits within tuition reimbursement. So it's zero out of pocket for learners. So they're getting this really high quality program that's been designed for healthcare at a, a great price point. So we've been able to, to not have cost affect quality. Um, now, so that, that's what, you know one area where we see you know, health systems invest in education. However, that you know across systems when we look at the data that only that only represents like five percent you know only so let me let me rephrase that five percent of employees utilize tuition benefit programs so five percent so and that's that's a, a healthcare metric that's a healthcare system metric that's not just across the us that's you know specific for the healthcare industry so what about the other 95 percent what about the other 95%? What are systems doing to help them upskill and reskill and broaden their skills as they continue to advance in their careers? And so that's where our certificate uh, programs really fit nicely with health systems. So our certificate programs are non-degree options that are shorter in nature, uh, skills focused, and um, you know, are, can be leveraged for people that aren't seeking a full degree program, but are looking for upskill opportunities. And so that's often a blind spot for health systems because their tuition benefit programs often just align with degree program reimbursement. But our certificate programs allow for them to have broader utilization and additional growth opportunities for employees across the organization. Um, so that, that's one area that tuition benefit programs. Another area are internal training programs. So, you know, every health system has a learning and organizational development department, and those departments work extremely hard to reach as many people as they can to deliver the training that's necessary, whether it's you know, compliance related training, whether it's, you know, leadership type, uh, you know, development, whatever it is, they, they work extremely hard. But what we what we find is that they're often limited by some of the traditional delivery models and delivery methods that have just been used for decades. So classroom-based learning, you know, instructor-led training, but maybe that's now done over Zoom or self-paced e-learning. So you assign a course and have somebody go through it and, you know, they complete it and they check it off and they move on. What we do is we work with systems to, to leverage our approach for um, scaling high-quality training across the organization in, in dynamic ways that utilize new methods that are backed by technology, right? So leveraging technology to, to, to reach audiences more effectively um, so that they can build online and hybrid programs for their organization, but then also pull in pieces from all of our content to fill the gaps that they might have. So let's take an example of a leadership uh, you know, development initiative within a health system. Health systems often have homegrown leadership development initiatives where they, you know, um, uh, you know, hold that very near and dear to them. But those are hard to deliver because it requires them to deliver the same session again and again every year or, you know, plan, you know, a series of uh, in-person, you know, activities or lunches or networking events and those kind of things. What we can do is we can work with that system to say, okay, what are the what are the most common, um, uh, you know, um, didactic components that you know are, are just common to all leadership programs like um, uh, goal setting or you know um, uh, um, delivering difficult feedback things like that well we have um, curriculum from our academic partners so duke for example uh, we have a whole portfolio of content from duke that we can quickly pull into their leadership program 
and reduce the burden of their LNOD teams from having to do everything live or rely on live instruction or, or classroom-based instruction um, to deliver those components. And so they can, we can make them more effective so they can reach a broader audience with the same number of full-time employees in that department. Um, so that's one example of how we can help create efficiencies within the internal training program. So, you know, um, that's one bucket there. And then the, the, another bucket that I'll talk about a bit today is also residency programs. Um, you know, we see this, this incredible issue of high attrition rates among new grad nurses as they transition into practice. And so, um, you know, when, uh, one area systems should 100% consider investing in is that new grad workforce to ensure that they can offset any kind of high or higher than average attrition rate that they might find with that new grad population. Um, so ultimately, though, it, it, you know, it's it's not a matter of should a system invest in educational options. You know, they, they already do. It's it's really a matter of how can they get drastically more out of those investments. That that's where we come in and help systems. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. You know, one of the things that people talk about in healthcare is retaining staff, and it's you know a well-known issue in the industry right now. Which a lot of staff members burning out. How does you know your type of offering help overcome what you know are some of those larger barriers to keeping staff? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, when I look at the barriers, um, you know, it what I see is it's not anything profound, right? It comes down to resources. It's as simple as well. It's not simple, <laughs> but you know the, the 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 cause, the reason is limited resources, right? And so systems struggle to find the the resources that they need, the time, the money, the people, to provide the level of education and training that's needed to really impart the knowledge, skills, and attitudes necessary to to transform that organization, right? To to solve those really pressing workforce needs that they have, regardless of of role. And so we we help systems increase their ability to educate and train their workforce, you know, from from building new talent to upskilling and and reskilling existing staff. And so really, that's um, you know, we help them with that barrier that the 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 resource barrier that we see exist across systems. And have you seen a you know a big impact on reducing the employee turnover as a result of that? We have so um, there's uh, you know a number of examples that I can share, but you know if, if I if I boil it down to really like you know what's going on, what you know what is happening um, for for why these people are uh, leaving organizations, and I think in in simple terms, it's it's confidence and satisfaction, right? So we think about that. We all want to feel confident in our work. We all want to feel satisfied in our workplace and so you know how can we help people confidently provide the care that they're that they're providing how, confidently interact with patients and co-workers how can we help build confidence and leadership so they can create satisfactory you know working environments and working conditions and so you know to me it all feeds back to confidence and satisfaction and so if you know education increases confidence and in turn satisfaction and so satisfaction is retention, um, and, and and really, you know, education is 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 the bedrock for developing knowledge, skills, and attitudes that lead those change initiatives and create those best-in-class working environments and ultimately retain staff. 
And so, you know, the, the question is, but how can systems do it differently and not just repeat these, you know, the, the old ways that have gotten us into the situation that we're in? And that's where we help systems. We help systems solve these problems in new ways. And so you've talked about a lot of benefits, you know, conceptually, but I'm curious, do you have kind of an example of maybe like the largest impact that your solution has had on an organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll share a few examples um, that I that I alluded to earlier. Um, you know, so just the term impact is a word that we use a lot. And we really like that word. In fact, we like it so much. We, we you know, some of our, our product offerings include that word. So we have impact reporting, we have impact dashboards. Um, and ultimately, a lot, you know, the way we approach, um, you know, these solutions is um, we, we measure them. Um, and an example of that, you know, throughout our certificate programs, we actually measure um, uh, at three points in those programs. So we measure when learners come into the program, we measure their current level of competency, their expectations, you know, for example, what they hope to get out of the course and that sort of thing, why they're taking the course. We measure again upon completion of the program. So let's say it's a 12 week program, as an example, at that 12 week mark, we measure the growth and competency from when they came in to when they're, they're, they're completing the program. But then we also measure again three months later. And we utilize the data from those three touch points to be able to tell a story about what's really happened with that learner through the program. Um, and, you know, um, we, we look for things about, you know, at that three month mark of, you know, what kind of impact, um, um, you know, have they has that had in their in their work, in their satisfaction, you know, in, in their department, for their team, for themselves, et cetera. And how much do they attribute that back to that learning experience that they that they had gone through? Um, so that that's you know an example of one of the the approaches that we use to measure things. But a real world example of where we've seen impact, um, um, I'll talk through a, a few of them here. But one of them is with Teladoc. So Teladoc is a a, um, a client of ours, and uh, last summer, uh, their innovation department leveraged our certificate in healthcare innovation to send uh, over 150 employees. Uh, that included product managers, UX staff, management, researchers, analysts, and, and so forth through our uh, certificate program. And these were private cohorts that were specific to Teladoc, and we took them through the program. And at the end of the program, it actually led to an internal pitch-a-thon where 11 different new products were pitched to senior management at Teladoc, and one even went on to, to um, go through in, in uh, the, the patent application process. And so those projects are now, uh, a, a number of those projects are now actively underway within their organization. And so you can think of the potential um, impact that that had on, and, and is continuing to have on Teladoc, just from that curriculum structuring um, and that structured experience, creating an environment where employees could innovate. And then that innovation lead to uh, benefits for the organization. Um, that's it. That's with Teladoc. That's actually gone on now to where um, they've expanded access to our entire certificate suite for their staff, uh, not just in the innovation department, but across their organization worldwide. And now they've opened up um, uh, tuition uh, reimbursement options for those staff worldwide to take any of our certificate offerings. And then we provide all that kind of impact data back to Teladoc about, you know, how those uh, learners are doing after the programs. Um, so that's one example that I'm incredibly proud of. I, that, that um, you know, the, um, 
the pitchathon was, um, you know, it really it spurred out of that um, that initiative, and um, it's just so cool to see the good work that came out of that. Um, another example is uh, another one of our clients, uh, one that's near and dear uh, to me, is uh, Phoenix Children's Hospital because they're here uh, in, in in my backyard, um, and um, you know we worked with their learning organizational development team to. Um, do a lot of like what I described earlier about leveraging our uh, curriculum from Duke and some from University of Arizona to improve their internal leadership academy offering. Uh, so prior to the the, the pandemic, um, they always delivered uh, their leadership academy through a series of in-person monthly sessions. Uh, so, you know, the first month they would, you know, tap on the shoulder of an executive and say, hey, can you come deliver this lecture to this new group of uh, of leaders or, you know, senior leaders, whoever was in the leadership academy at that time. And the next month it would repeat with the same cycle. Well, we all know when you sit in a live lecture uh, for, let's say, three hours, how much are we really retaining from that three hours? You know, there's some really great benefits like networking and socialization and cross sharing of ideas and things like that that are occurring. But from the didactic portion of that, very little is actually retained. And there's often not a lot of ongoing practice that follows that session. You go to the session, you leave the session and you're just consumed back into your work almost immediately. And so what we did is we helped them restructure um, their leadership academy to where it was it's now delivered in a hybrid fashion to where there's online components and in-person components. So we reduced the burden of all the scheduling and coordination of all those live sessions that that happen uh, or were happening um, um, internally and offset it with a structured online curriculum that uh, requires the learners to engage um, you know, throughout each week. So it's not just a one session walk away. It's rather you know, each day, each week, there's different um, activities for them to do and engage with their other learners in very collaborative ways online, but then also apply what they're learning in projects. And as they work on those projects, they're getting feedback from other um, healthcare experts on their project and their work product. So they're getting really rich feedback, they're getting increased collaboration activities, and they're engaging with content from very respected institutions of learning, like you know, Duke and, and University of Arizona. And so we're able to increase the consistency of delivery of topics. So, you know, they know that every cohort that's coming through is getting, uh, you know, similar um, uh, caliber, uh, you know, um, lessons and education. We increased the amount of feedback learners were getting throughout their le the leadership academy, which which means feedback on their on their practice, which is where the real learning occurs. Um, and then we increase satisfaction. So, you know, this this last group that we just uh, graduated at Phoenix Children's Hospital, 100 percent of them re would recommend the program to other leaders in the organization. And that's that's just in incredible. Um, so that's an example of, um, you know, some some impact that we've seen at, at one of our partners. Uh, but the last bit, I, you know, the last example I want to share is is um, in the residency space. And there is so much opportunity for systems with their new grad workforce. And so new grad workforce, right, is, you know, the the, the um, recent RN graduate who's just coming into practice, um, you know, within within a hospital or, or within, you know, a, a healthcare setting. So across the country, it is not uncommon to find that 50% of those new grads leave 
the organization within the first year. And then that that attrition rate just continues on even higher into the second year. And so, you know, for many, many years now, uh, the nursing community has known that residency programs, structured residency programs um, can help drastically improve the retention of those new grads and improve care outcomes of those new grads. And ultimately, going back to what I said earlier, improve their, their those new grads' confidence and satisfaction in their job. And so um, our client, uh, Common Spirit Health, very large not-for-profit health system you know, across the United States, um, uh, we are supporting them in um, their leverage in our platforms or in our approach, um, our, which is our, our residency program offering to scale a consistent and measurable nurse residency program across 120 hospitals and ultimately touching 45,000 nurses over the next five years. And you know the, the, the goal there is to improve new grad retention across the system by at least 20%. And for um, our first cohorts that have launched, which was in February of this last year, we're retaining 98% of them. That's incredible. You know the 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 cost savings, the you know improvements in care outcomes, et cetera. That's that's just absolutely incredible. So it's it's definitely an example that I'm uh, uh, very proud of, and we're continuing to work on, um, and um, continuing to um, support Common Spirit in. And so yeah, those are some examples um, in how our um, you know offerings are making an impact on the organizations that we work with. I love the the pitchathon idea. That, that yeah, right. Isn't that, isn't that fun? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned everyone is every organization has an education program. And for those listening who are, you know, in HR, they know that you can offer the greatest benefits in the world to your staff, but getting people to take advantage of those is another part of the equation. So what advice do you have for healthcare leaders? who are looking to encourage their employees to actually engage in these professional development opportunities? Yeah, good good question. This is what I've uh, really spent my my life's work doing is, is uh, putting the, the carrot in front of the adult learner, right? And getting them to engage in meaningful activities so that they can, um, you know, positively, uh, you know, improve their, their, um, their, their skills and behaviors and attitudes. Um, so, you know, the advice I would give is um, to, to number one, make it accessible. So remove barriers of time and place. So even if we if we take a step outside of healthcare and we look at higher education um, in general, there was a time not too too long ago that it was very difficult for an adult to go back and get a college degree after they've entered the workforce. Um, you know, the, the class times were scheduled at times that were inconvenient. Um, the program lengths uh, were, were inconvenient for that, that particular audience. Um, the formats, uh, you know, the, the curriculum was, um, you know, wasn't um, designed in a way that supported an adult learner. It was more for a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a typical, you know, college student. And so, you know, higher education had to go through, a, a you know, um, reconfiguration so that they could serve the adult audience. And now, if you look, there are there's no shortage of options for the adult learner. 
There are many, many options that make it convenient, make it more relevant, make it more applied, et cetera. And so the same thing I think is true inside of organizations. They have to think about how can I make this accessible? How can I remove barriers that are preventing my staff um, from being successful in continuing their um, professional development pathways? And so removing barriers of time and place is one way. Uh, and so that that's one thing. Um, but that something that, that's even more important is making it relevant and meaningful. So carefully crafting engagement techniques that go beyond either traditional lecture-based instruction or static e-learning. You know, I, I always ask, I always ask, you know, folks, remember the last e-learning piece you completed? You know, it's probably a compliance-related topic. <laughs> you know, did it really change you? <laughs> did it really change your behavior? Or were you just trying to get to the end of the e-learning piece to, to you know, um, take the test as quickly as you can and, and check the box off and move on with your day? Right? And so there's something that really needs to change in the in the approach that lives between that e-learning and that, you know, the, 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 the really, you know, traditional method of, of classroom-based instruction. And, you know, we can do things in a way that engages the adult learner in meaningful engagement exercises that really get them to apply learning, receive feedback, you know, and apply that feedback and then ultimately transfer that knowledge into the workplace and really change their their, um, you know, their knowledge skills and, and attitudes. Um, and so making it meaningful and relevant, that's that's the key to unlocking um, adult motivation. It has to be relevant, it has to be incredibly relevant and meaningful. Otherwise, we won't put our time towards it. We're all too busy, right? We're not going to do anything in our day that's not meaningful or relevant to us. We're not, you know, it, it has to be there. So. That, that's one that's one thing that we um, work on a lot uh, with our offerings is is the, the the relevance and the way in which we engage learners and learning activities to make it meaningful. Um, and the adult learner recognizes that, you know, the adult learner will say, you know what, this is actually like making a difference. I'm going to keep committing myself to this or they hear from their colleague. Actually, that program. Wow, it changed me. I, go sign up. You know, and, and so it, it makes a difference for the adult learner. Um, the next thing is make it count. Um, you know, we work for things that we hold in high regard. And, you know, making it count is about aligning things to career pathways, career ladder, as some organizations call it, um, and really, truly laying out a path that shows the value of what that offering has for the individual. It doesn't always have to be financial. It can also just be something that, you know, um, um, they're trying to achieve, you know, personally or professionally. But also, it doesn't hurt to pull in the backing of really well-respected institutes of learning. So when we see our learners go through a certificate in healthcare leadership from Duke that's been, you know, tailored to an organization's leadership program, that kicks up the motivation level. That learner wants a certificate from Duke at the end of their program. That means something to them. And there's a sense of pride there that, you know, really plays into, um, you know, the, the motivations level, the motivation levels um, that I think is important. Um, and then, you know, innovate on the cost, right? A lot of, you know, opportunities and, and offerings that that are out there don't have to, you know, the financial side of it doesn't have to be placed on the on the employee. 
you know, we've innovated a lot on the cost of our offerings and in, you know, the of, of our solutions so that in many cases, it's zero out of pocket for the employee and the employee can, you know, um, engage in some really unique um, um, learning opportunities without having to take on the burden of, um, you know, tuition costs and things like that that often exist there. Um, so those are the recommendations that that I would give, um, you know, for healthcare leaders that are looking to um, encourage their employees to engage in continuing development. Okay, um, I want to touch on that financial aspect a little bit. You just, you know, mentioned, you know, for the employee, that's no cost to them. But if an organization is going to invest in this, everyone's got to make the justification, right? You can't spend a penny in today's environment without showing what that value proposition is so for your solution and just for the offering how do you how do healthcare organizations show the value financially of this yeah i think you know the the stakes are too high to not invest in solutions right you know there's there's not a, a health organization that i've spoken with that's not struggling with um you know trying to fill um, you know, nursing positions or retain, um, you know, medical assistants or CNAs or, you know, um, any of those sorts of things. And so the stakes are really too high not to invest, but um, it's about understanding the return on that investment as always, right? And that's one thing I, one of the many things I absolutely love about healthcare is that there's such a focus on evaluating the true return on investment. Um, if, if I just take our, our new grad residency offering, um, you know, on average, new grad attrition costs the hospital $330,000 annually for every 1% change in new grad retention. Like 1% up or down is making a $330,000 dent or improvement on their bottom line. That is is staggering that number alone as a healthcare consumer I, it starts to explain why some of our healthcare costs are so high right um, and so you know if we look at that but if if we look at you know the the research that is widely available we see that systematically designed residency programs demonstrate considerable improvements in new grad retention in the workforce and so we can draw a very clear line between the, the, the investment in the program, the investment in the platform and the approach to financial dollars, you know, for that, for that hospital, for that system. And so we can do this with our systems that we work with, where we can sit down and we can map out the line between the investment and the return. And so that, that's just an example of, of one rule, you know, nurses, right? Which is, you know, talked about a lot. That's an example of one role of how we can reduce costs and improve outcomes, but we can do this across so many roles in various you know, ways, residency programs, um, leadership programs, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, a, that's, um, that's, that's, that's why I believe uh, healthcare leaders should invest in, in these kinds of solutions. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for the conversation today and congratulations on, on everything you guys have built out at DHGE. We really appreciate your time and we just want to thank everyone who's listening um, for, for dialing in and we will, we'll see everyone next time.